Hey, folks, if you're listening to this, congratulations. You're about to get a fucking great episode of SAN in your ears. But the fact of the matter is this is the very last episode that is going to be on the Scale is Needed podcast feed. Is that right, guys? Right. That's right. Uh-huh. So if you want to hear our voices again, and I know you do, the time is nigh. Now's the time, guys. Unsubscribe from the Scales Needed podcast. What do I have to do? You subscribe to Arm & Hammer TV. That is where you're going to find all of your delicious sand goodness. We're talking suck Armin's nipples. We're talking some athleticism mm-hmm. neglected. We're talking super awesome nerds. Don't shave forget SARMs are needed. <laughs> We're talking SARMs are needed. We're talking shave a nerd and many other variations mm-hmm. which are going to be forthcoming. So yes. SAN, formerly known as Scales Needed, that podcast, guys. Artists formerly known as Scales. Correct. Let's You're pour one out for the previous uh, for the previous feed. Gulp, 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 gulp. Yeah, I was, I was I like, was just, please don't pour one out on my floor. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop me. Uh, yeah, so you guys want to subscribe to Arm & Hammer TV or just look up SAN on your podcast app and you're going to find all of the goodness of these episodes and you are going to be able to get this in your ears. Now enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Some Athleticism Neglected. hey Boy, is it. Yeah, that That's name... That's our winner? That name is our winner for this week. Comes from Kimberly Carrasco. Nice. A.K.A. at Casey Nobody. Wait on. to bring in a female voice to think outside That's the box right. and to use the A. That, that it's a female based off Kimberly? Kimberly, at least well, six out of ten Kimberleys are ladies. It's, it's almost certainly a lady. Yes, um, and in big that, points. Big points to Kimberly for using the A in San as something other than ass or and. Which thus far, a lot of creative submissions, but pretty much the I think the A is being neglected. The A is either ass or and. She uses it for athleticism. What was it again? Yeah, some it's a really athleticism big word. I exactly. Even, I can't even read it. There and she she is uh, she does weightlifting. Nice. And uh, she loves Legos. Nice. Great work. And, uh, yeah, she definitely is a she mm-hmm. based <laughs> off of her Instagram. <sighs> I'm so not going to assume working, anything. Guys. Yeah, I know. It's twenty. Mm-hmm. It's 2019, you guys. All right. So, <laughs> fuck me, man. I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to live my life out here. Uh, yep. So, thank you very much. Welcome to Some Athleticism Neglected, where and, we and neglect a lot of it. Most athleticism. Yes. Let's be honest yep. here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on in the world of sport and we're going to talk about none of it tonight. Yeah, because um, and I just want to make it super fucking clear that uh, not only are we not going to talk about any of it, but we specifically don't talk about any of it on the show because yes. before mm-hmm. we started recording, oh, Jesus Christ. as I walked <laughs> we're in, we're about to get lectured. Here we go. As I was providing everyone <laughs> with fucking beverages from with, my home with zero cal <laughs> with zero calorie Zevia energies. Yeah, this episode bootleg brought to you by Zevia. <laughs> That's right. We're bootleg sponsored by Zevia. Nice. Um, what, what does that in, what does that entail? It entails <laughs> me what? not getting any Zevia of my own. Yeah, it entails, yeah. entails it us having t- no actual relationship with Zevia other than we all drink it and we mm-hmm. like it. So they're paying. Yeah. Nobody. They're paying nobody. Wait, I thought you got your shit for free. I did get my shit for free. Oh, okay. But uh, they they have no idea this show even exists. Oh, this is true. 
They would not. They would not endorse the content of are this you, program. Are you saying they're uh, not prepared to put on the fittest Beth games? Mm. We have we have to talk about that. But before we talk about yes. that, you guys were talking about fitness before we turned the microphones yes. on. There were mm-hmm. whispers and yes. rumors and there of fitness. Two talk. things that I overheard you guys talking about mm-hmm. that I want to talk about. Yes. No. Okay. One, Can you remember them? Yes. One is... What's the first one? Strict press. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, strict, strict press. press. The, the best of all possible lifts. <laughs> the best really of is, the presses. Hate the, it, don't want to talk man about The man maker, it. they call it. Correct. The man maker. Uh, were we talking about bodyweight strict presses? Yeah. We were, yeah. We were talking about the frustration. Uh, the um, Of being a giant human being who's yeah. also very strong but can't press his body weight. <laughs> exactly. Because it's, it's like the gift of the magi. Um... <laughs> Um, it smells like frankincense. Yeah. Um, no. The uh, just the fact that there, w- I, I got up to a certain strict press at one point and was uh, asked if I had a, a body weight strict press. No, body too heavy. Then body, <laughs> then body became light, but then strength was not there anymore. So that is the problem. Can't what are the? Give us some numbers, Kyle. Uh, the the highest. Uh, this is the frustrating thing is when I was when I was. Progressively getting fatter, but also getting stronger. I got up to 215 by two, so I was like, easy peasy, gonna hit that 225 any day. And then really kind of hit a ceiling on my strict press at 215 by two. Couldn't get the 220 or the 225. Then turned my life around, lost a whole bunch of weight. Body weight got below 215, albeit briefly, <laughs> got below 215, got down to 212. And with it, went like 40 pounds of strict press. And I can still strict press Christ. 200 pounds. Actually, it was about 15 pounds. But still, uh, definitely lost some of the some of the spice. I mean, 15 pounds of, of strict, strict press is basically 40 pounds. Yes, it's basically it's, 40 it's pounds for lot. any other lift. And I have a hint of a whisper of a chance to maybe get a uh, bodyweight strict press one day. A hint of a whisper of a dream. I know, I know. Because I uh, uh, set my all-time PR about six months ago at 2.45. That's really um, impressive. Thank you, sir. Uh, He's a big person. Was uh, I there for that? Was that in? That no, was that was not no, in no. the gym. That was, no, that, uh, was in Iceland. that was That wasn't Iceland. That was not in Iceland. Yeah. That was actually a couple months after getting back from Iceland because I gained a lot of weight because I ate like shit. You also so gained was, a lot of strength just by being... In the land of the giants. Oh, right. yes. In the land of the giants. Just the, uh, the, the spirits, the Icelandic spirits <laughs> uh, inhabited me for a he brief period vodka. there. Icelandic spirit. <laughs> but I was up over 300 pounds then. But since I've been losing a lot of weight, I'm down to 279 as of a couple days ago. And I'm continuing to lose weight. Uh, but my strict press, definitely not at 245, but my adult's body weight low has been 230. So theoretically, I could get to 245 body weight again, maybe sometime. So mm. what you're saying is there's there's a space on that graph as your body weight descends mm-hmm. and your str- er, and your strength <clears throat> also descends that mm-hmm. those streams <laughs> perhaps cross somewhere yes. around like 235. 235, more, uh, uh, ships yeah. in the night. Could, could, could be could night. be more like 202 there. I'm thinking of going full anorexic there and see what I have left. What would you look like at 200 pounds? I feel like I've seen the picture mm. of you when you were very, very skinny, mm. when you both were very skinny. That was into, it's between 230 and 240, somewhere so in there. So you'd be, you'd be 25 <laughs> or 35 pounds lighter than I than think that's that. totally doable because I had a soft-ass midsection at that point. Oh, there, you want sure. like that fucking rock-hard... Mm-hmm. Tasty abs. Just, just, just a fucking for abs. Shell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Veiny. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cheese grater. So, 
Um, do you can you strict press body weight, Chase? No, you I are can't. the fittest person in this room. I, I found out today that I can't. <laughs> oh, you strict press. He's today. like until now I assumed that I could, but no, as no. it turns out I, p- I PR today. I oh. hit one seventy. Oh, that's, like that's I don't do strict press right, man. Clearly. I try to bench press it. Clearly, yeah. it's really hard for me. Way back and and, and push it. Yeah. Like that. Although I must say, for all those aspiring strict pressers out there. Uh, the best way to a strict press is not by doing a bunch of strict pressing. The best way to strict press, at least in my experience, is doing a whole lot of bodyweight gymnastics type horseshit there. Mm. Because back before I did CrossFit, and I did lift for you know many years before doing CrossFit, I didn't do any bodyweight shit, and my strict press could not crack 265. Got to 262.5, shit like that. You mean 162. Or sorry, 162. These ones and twos. These ones and twos. I was like, your body, your well, plus, plus, or, plus or minus one unit doesn't matter yeah, there. This is true. But, uh, <laughs> Units are very. Yes. Uh, but then uh, did uh, start doing CrossFit and way less of barbell lifting, doing all the pull-ups and handstand push-ups and ring dips and all that horse shit. And then my strict press, very done very rarely, less often than once a month, but tried it and it's like, oh, 165, no problem. 185, no problem. 200, no problem. I will say, though, that that, I think, has to do more with the fact that like back in your pre-CrossFit days, you weren't doing much to actually stimulate a lot of growth because you were just sort of going in and doing barbell lifts. Whereas once you started introducing all of this stuff and all of the metabolic conditioning, you were stimulating a lot more growth a bunch of different ways, like doing you know your handstand push-ups and all that kind of stuff. And the reason I say that is I say a big part of... Uh, getting a good strict press, as I figured out, was just doing strict presses like every single week because in addition to strength, and I did build up a fair amount of strength over the years doing handstand push-ups and, and, you know, and doing, you know, my feeble attempts at O-lifting, but I realized that just it's a hard thing to just get set up for to really push a lot of weight up because it's just getting it off of your shoulders is just a weird thing to do without any kind of hip drive or anything else and hip it wasn't drive. it was it was not until figuring out like how to get like really tight and really like underneath it and really like finding a good starting position which can yeah. only happen through trial and error like once i figured out how to do that then all of a sudden i was able to access my strength in the strict mm-hmm. press in a way that I never could before. I also Whereas previously it was just be like, couldn't get it off my shoulders. You I know? think because of the kinetic chain involved in the strict press, because the, literally every part of the body is involved in that mm-hmm. press, even though it is mainly a shoulder and tricep yeah. exercise. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing that it makes it so challenging is that from your toes all the way mm-hmm. to the top of your head, every muscle is part of that kinetic mm-hmm. chain. So there's a lot of accessory work. That's why I think what Cliff was saying, adding in like all that gymnastic stuff actually helped a ton because it, it makes the system as a whole significantly stronger. Big and time. that gets yep. you ready to actually, you know, put some power into the ground and mm. press into, and then, you know, like imagine trying to balance like, uh, you know, trying to balance a, a, a bottle on a Twizzler mm-hmm. as opposed to a brick, right? 
before you did all that accessory work, you were, were talking a about the Twizzler upright, yeah. pointed straight up Twizzler. Pointed straight up. That'd be Twizzler. pretty floppy Twizzler. That'd be a there. floppy Twizzler. You would it wouldn't work. Not at right? all. No. But now, after doing a bunch of accessory work, instead of being a Twizzler, you're a brick, and that is yes. really fucking useful. Like a chopstick, which is which is like, like a, a better rigid, Twizzler. Yeah, uh, Twizzler analog. None Correct. of these things have arms to be able to even do the press. This is true. I don't know uh, if we thought about this. Yeah, I'd say the biggest problem for me is just. You know, my hips that have the continual problem with the uh, handstand mm. push-ups on me and Brooke Wells, same yeah, boat. Yeah. 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 So you have that kinetic energy from the ground and then it gets to my hips and it's like, and it goes to <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> like, yeah. And the Narnia. Uh, and then my upper body's like, Oh, <laughs> oh geez, Rick. Oh, geez. Oh, uh, and I try hips, to bench press it. If your hips are that loose though, you might want to try the, you know, Ripito style, at least the press 2.0 style. The Olympic press. With the, a little bit, not full Olympic press, but just with a little bit of hip whip to get, mm. uh, to get started. There. Cheating. Because uh, the, the, the full Olympic press is a hip whip to get it started. And then you, Flop the hips back to get to, to get that last bit of lockout. There. I'm trying to not. I'm yeah. I'm trying not to do that yeah. because so, I got pretty good at doing that. I no. want to. I want to definitely point out um, braggadociously mm. that I have strict pressed well over my body weight. Listen, oh, no one and asked. All right. I believe the only thing to say here is fuck you guys. <laughs> so I I have strict pressed. Uh, I think. Almost ten pounds more than my body weight. I think the most I've strict mm-hmm. pressed is like two ten, maybe two oh five, two ten. But I was weighing around one ninety five at the time, mm-hmm. like nice. one ninety, one ninety five. And uh, that, why aren't you at the CrossFit Games, yeah. man? Yeah, I know it's crazy. Uh, that's the biggest metric. That is literally the biggest <laughs> metric, dude. So a buddy of mine, that's a major feature of the Fitbeth Games, by the way. Correct. Strict press. Strict press. So Beths out there, start working on start it. Start working say, on those you've been delts. put on notice. Delts and tri- triceps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my buddies, Aris, he's uh, like we. We trained together and hung out together constantly when I was in L.A. Um, and he had like an unnatural strict press. Mm. Like his press was really inefficient looking. You know, his hands would be like super wide instead of like in narrow to like get a little better of a uh, leverage. And he was able to weighing like 195 strict press like 230. Mm, wow. And it was just it was like out of nowhere. I just remember one day we tried it out. Yeah. Try it out. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't understand at all. I don't understand. Your mom's Try. house podcast. Yeah. Yes. Tom uh, Segura. Tom Segura. Very Try it funny. out. Try it out. Just try That's it out. right. Our podcast is now <laughs> referencing other podcasts Listen, that none of you have heard. We talk about fitness off air. We talk about other podcasts on air. Welcome it's, it's to weird... some athleticism <laughs> neglected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so he just he just has this strange, unnatural shoulder strength. Yeah. Um. Now, the second thing that you guys were talking about before we got in here mm-hmm. was rucking. Yeah. Oh, yes. And <clears throat> I, I imagine... It's very is, fitness. Is it, mm-hmm. is it rubbing off? Like the brothers Bogart are rubbing off on one another? Yes, we've been rubbing off. Well, we slept in the same Freezing. room, so... We've been rubbing, rubbing off, off in, in proximity. Front of each other anyway yeah, for a long, for a long, uh, long enough period of time there. Yeah. Just, have to, just have, have, have to wait to on. hear the steady breathing <laughs> of the other one there <laughs> to, to, yeah. Um, the, um, He's asleep. Yes. My time is nigh. But no, Kai... <laughs> 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 but... Uh, <laughs> you can be quieter than that. Yeah. Um, the um, build a pyramid of pillows around <laughs> your dick. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but no, it's like Ka- a little sound booth. You could do VO in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
continue. We've done, sorry, we've done, yeah, we've done less sophisticated sound booths, actually, to yes. record professionally. True. <laughs> this is absolutely true. Um, and also yes, masturbated. I remember them. having mm. to stick my head within, literally inside of a box made of foam. Yes, we did that at the office several times, and it would be like, time to record VO. So we would get two sets of hands and then just hold four foam boards around <laughs> someone's head while they talked into a microphone. That's incredible. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. rucking. Rucking. Uh, Kyle got uh, into rucking, but with a very expensive, pure rucking rucksack there with metal successful. plates that cost like 150 or whatever dollars there. Yeah, like I the managed bag to... is like $280. Listen, and yeah, the, yeah. Not... the weight is $180. What's age but a number? <laughs> but I, I managed to... Uh, I managed to spend zero dollars on my rucksack. Now, it's not that uh, you're gonna. Uh, the, the, this advice will not give you the ability to get a rucksack for free there. He f- but he fashioned his rucksack mm-hmm. out of a backpack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're just wearing a backpack. Basically, yes. If you already, if you have these <laughs> two things, super clear. if you have these two things already hanging around, which should be enough, is uh, you know a sturdy backpack, which I had for carrying my laptop as a travel backpack. Nice sturdy padded backpack. And at least 30 pounds of classic literature sitting around yes. on a bookshelf, then you too can have a pretty useful uh, rucksack. It has to be classic literature, though, because like if it's just like self help manuals or phone books or, or porn or, DVDs, yes. they're not heavy mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, yeah. As it turns out, yeah, hardcover is also just heavier for volume than uh, paperbacks because there. So, enough hardcovers. They're printed on thicker stock than, say, a phone book would be. Correct. So, mm-hmm. volume to weight wise, classic literature Oof. is going to give you more bang for your buck than like phone books mm-hmm. or other things. And currently in the backpack, I have both the complete works of Shakespeare and. Uh, Isaac Asimov's commentaries on the complete works of Shakespeare. Both. Which is, both uh, which is a weird thing I got, even though I'm not a huge Asimov fan, but I thought, huh, wonder what that guy has to say. Yeah. I never read any of it, but now <laughs> that ask, purchase, now that purchase uh, of all the books I ha- bought and haven't read over the years has a purpose. There was a reason I went to Half Price Books all those times. Mm-hmm. So are you still wrecking, Kyle? Yep. Uh, with fairly frequently, um, you know, just around the neighborhood. It's very hot right now. Are you guys doing the like like uh, fasted cardio rucking situation? Like uh, in the morning, I am on diet and everything's good, which has been kind of hit or miss the last month or so. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it depends. Like I will, if I'm fasting all day, which I've been doing a lot lately, then I'll like get off of work go on a ruck in a fasted state and then have my first meal after that. But I don't really have time in the morning because that's when I generally get my pre-work writing done is in the morning. So I would love to be able to wake up, just go for a long ruck. It just doesn't work for my schedule. So mm-hmm. I also don't eat during the day and then work out. So technically would be fasted when I ruck. Although today to celebrate 4th of July, I'm going to go on a uh, 10.08 mile ruck around <laughs> town the full town lake trail that's uh, a long ruck that is a long ruck i should take about three and a half hours of just the walking but i will uh bring some salty nuts with me just so salty i can get nuts. the sodium replenished i think you're gonna have salty nuts oh, I want that. there'll be yes. there'll be so much salty nuts involved in the whole in the whole mm-hmm. package there yeah you might want to bring more than just some salty nuts i mean you might want to bring like a brisket and a bunch yeah. of water. Yeah, something you might want something more than just salty nuts. No, I, 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 did, I did a six point six mile ruck the other day with just uh, 
bottle of water. There you go. And so uh, salty nuts plus I think two bottles of water. I have two bottles of water, package of salty nuts, yeah. sack and of salty listen, nuts, worst and then case scenario, we're good. Bring your wallet so you can walk into a fucking mm-hmm. supermarket or something. That's true. Worst case scenario, you just keel over and someone finds yes, you. That Correct. Exactly. It's, it's public. Actually, I'd like to report a giant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I can I make an amendment here? Best case scenario. Local man dies <laughs> with a with a pe- backpack carrying full of uh, literature. <laughs> air, air, area grad student dies. <laughs> that might that might be the best thing because I've always wanted immortality and I've just uh, haven't been able won't be able to achieve it unless I make some news headlines. That might be my best opportunity to get news headlines or, and live forever. Or you just fall over and are fossilized and then are discovered. By a farmer like the Cardiff Giant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and P.T. Barnum tours you around the country. And people pay tokens to see your bones. Oh, yes. What was the... Uh, this is going to seem out of nowhere, but what was the Nicolas Cage movie where he was the bearded uh, guy uh, trying to help that uh, uh, kid who had an alcoholic father and all that? This wasn't a good movie. You didn't like it anyway. The kid with the alcoholic father. Yeah, so bum like alcoholic father. Is it recent? Is it fairly recent? Joe. Joe, that's it, yes. Joe. I could, I could uh, follow the fate of one of the actors from Joe who was a, they found as an actual homeless person in, <laughs> in Austin who was cast in the movie to play actually a major role in the movie, but he was a real-life uh-huh. alcoholic homeless person, and he ended up actually dying underneath the uh, Congress Street Bridge found before floating the movie was there released. before the movie was released. Huh. So I'll be walking under that Dark. bridge. I'll be walking under that bridge, so that could well be my fate. The, it's way too the early in the morning mm-hmm. for, for Let's something talk like about that. dead homeless people yeah. right now. That's he did really a fantastic job and super damn authentic, man. He was authentically homeless. He, he was, was authentically homeless and drunk. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, good for him. Let's, yeah. I mean, pour one out for our homies, right? Exactly. And he Word. he is uh, immortal now because of that. Yeah. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it, if you're gonna die with the backpack full of literature, mm-hmm. what literature are you gonna pick? Right? Like you've picked the complete works of Shakespeare, and for some weird reason, Asimov's commentary yes. on Shakespeare. I, I can't remember everything that's in there. I believe I have a Capitalism, a Treatise on Economics by George Reisman, which oh, is big. Now that's that's a uh, that, that turns into a political statement. If you die with that on your back, it's like... It's, it's a standard economics textbook. Uh, and then um, boop, 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 I can't remember anything else. A lot of hardcovers. My, hmm. My ideal book. And well, it depends. What am I dying while doing? Wrecking. You're dying. Oh. You're literally walking well, until you die with a backpack full of books. That I just have like eight copies of is just how to ruck for dummies, <laughs> 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 and they're all marked up and noted differently. I want to. I would ruck with a copy of Infinite Jest that has a bookmark in it, but that's like about eleven pages shy of the end. So people are like, "Ah, he almost made it. He almost made it to the end yeah, of this yeah, book." Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think. I. I think. I. I would probably just pick. Just like some cartoons, maybe yeah. like cartoons Garfield's, are not heavy yeah, enough. Comic, like I'll just have like an entire backpack full of full of like Garfield comics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, he doesn't even have good taste. It's okay. <laughs> you, would need, you would need to get the the Garfield graphic novel compilations with the hardcovers there in order to get the density needed. Or I would just print out. Sack. I would print out a bunch of like fan fiction of like Harry Potter, <laughs> Aliens crossover 
porn mm. porn stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> be like, and Ridley found Harry Potter. And it's like, oh yeah, Ridley found Harry Potter. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Ripley. Ripley. Ripley, Ripley yeah. found Ridley is the bad guy from Metroid. Ridley okay. is the director of Alien. There we go. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> See, I'm just messing everything up here. There you go. It's too mm-hmm. early in the morning for this shit. Uh-huh. Um, it is 4th of July today. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, I feel like I'm the only one celebrating. I'm wearing my my Stars and Stripes. Uh, you have a Texas flag on your shirt. Texas had a different Declaration of Independence. Yeah, sure. We're in Texas. We don't get to celebrate. What July is Texas 4th? Independence Day? I forget. Isn't it year-round, Mike? Is, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Isn't it the isn't the Alamo thing? Isn't that whole thing about the Alamo, yes, the Texas the Al- Independence the Alamo, Day? The Alamo is a thing, but that was an important battle in Texas's war with independence with Mexico. Yeah, but that is not uh, would not be Texas Independence Day. When you grow up in Texas, for those of you who don't know, you actually take uh, Texas history classes are part of the uh, curriculum. <laughs> so it's the only state. That uh, only state in the union that has uh, state-specific history classes as part of the standardized uh, educational curriculum. I, I don't think that's true at all. No, it is actually. That is actually oh, it is actually true. true. Fa- Holy I'm shit! I'm not yeah. making that shit that's up. That's nuts. Because no, because as I recall, yeah, it's you cycled through the history classes through elementary school. Mm-hmm. It started out oddly enough in like third grade or something. It was like local history. I remember like Carrollton history, we- which was like uh, wagon trains showing up into that area. Mm-hmm. The next year was Texas history. That was mm-hmm. I believe fourth grade no uh, texas grade? history texas history state. then u.s history oh. then world history it's world history it was sixth over. grade <laughs> then it starts over because then it's uh texas history again in ninth seventh but grade? this time seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. yeah you're in seventh grade, in seventh so they're like grade. this time we'll talk about black people and indians yes uh-huh. <laughs> that's good <it's, laughs> they weren't part of it <laughs> it was just like just davy crockett that's yeah. it mm-hmm. do you remember do you remember four years ago when we told you that there was nobody here when when <laughs> the settlers showed up still Why? mostly true <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah yep i mean we had west virginia history but yeah. it wasn't like standardized yeah, yeah we had an actual like in junior high year. i had a texas history textbook and went to a texas history class that was isn't that texas was, uh, uh really unique in the union in that how did how did Texas join the well, union? It was, well, it was its own it, country. It was its own, it was its own country, independent right. country for several years there, yeah. and then became then eventually joined the union. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it fought for independence against Me- basically Mexico invited a bunch of American immigrants mm-hmm. into part of its territory, and then the American immigrants, which moved to part of Mexico then went to war with independence from Mexico and mm-hmm. then like five years later ten years later joined the Union the United States yeah, yeah. there so basically the Me- the Mexican people were like hey yeah it's cool if you come over and we are like yo this is ours now uh-huh. just invited a bunch <laughs> of well, 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 the, the lesson clearly is that uh, Mexican Mexico in the 1830s uh, should should have had a wall should have had a wall <laughs> Uh, scale is the official position. I celebrated July Fourth as well. Yes, I wore your tupud red, white, and blue belt while I did my deadlifts this morning. Nice. Hey. Which was, which red, white, and blue belt? The one that looks like the French flag. <laughs> the one that looks like the French flag. <laughs> That's as anti-American as it gets, bro. Yeah. Well, I didn't wave the right white flag, so it's technically American good move. Bag, nice. yeah. flag. It's today. a good thing you you wore your French flag while doing your 170 pound Willie George PR. No, I didn't wear it for the strict press. I wore it for the deadlifts. What did you deadlift today? Do you want you want to have your your ego heard about deadlifts today? Well, I know that you deadlift more than I do, probably. <laughs> no, I I got uh, four six hundred f- pounds. No, four fifteen for for five. Nice. That's all right. Touch and go. 
That's not bad. I, I had like way more left. I just yeah, didn't, I sure. didn't plan out my sets right. That doesn't sound like a max for you. Yeah, I think 455 would have happened. Hmm. It to, to a different thing, right? Because I, I just remembered this. You're talking about max sets, and then you were talking, Kyle, about how you strict press 215 for two, uh, but then was never able to strict press anything heavier for one. Yeah, yeah. And my body did the exact same thing in that I was able to squat 420 for five, mm-hmm. and I never squatted more than 425 for three. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, your body could, was like done. Yeah, I was like, I could probably squat 500, and then I just never tried a one rep max. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right, well. That's just going to be it now. Let's, yeah, yeah. I've, I've stopped. <laughs> that, that moment in time is gone. It's gone. It is yeah, totally yeah. gone. My body does not do that anymore. Well, it sucked even more. Is like I, I had set, done some PRs on, on my back squat, and then I had I was never maxing out my back squat, but I was in continuing to do that three to five range, and my three to five had significantly increased in weight. And I was like, I cannot wait to eventually get around to, to maxing out at the end of the year, which we were doing at the gym at the time. And then, uh, wow, so I was like, because I am definitely way stronger. And then my leg broke in half. So I never got to see what happened, where where I ended up uh, when I was at my strongest. I never got to find out. Yeah, I was just I was just blown away because this morning I woke up at, at 7 and I could barely put my shoes on. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, deadlift's going to suck today. And, uh, uh, I don't know. I pulled 315. It felt fine. And yeah. then 335 felt easier than 275. I was like, I made made some miscalculations. Yeah, I should have just went for it. Yeah, Joe Scally wasn't with me it. this morning. She just sent it for the boys. No, it's a it's America's birthday, motherfucker. You should have yeah. definitely sent it. Listen, it's uh, it's testing week. You know, to to celebrate the Fourth of July, actually, yeah. um, Katie and I watched National Treasure. Yeah, a couple another days ago. great Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> another great Nicolas Cage film. I've actually never seen National Treasure. Well, yeah. well, no, I've really wanted to. You, you're missing out. It's okay. like uh, the way I described Incredible. it to Kate was it's basically like it's a Disney movie, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's it's essentially an adventure caper uh-huh. the way uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is. Yeah. Also, except produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Is it really? Yeah. See, again, these are all connections that I have no idea about. Yeah. Oh, oh the dogs dog are here. here. Well, we got two oh dogs my in here. god, we um, got dogs, dogs, dogs. The dogs are also very excited about National Treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially what I what I find uh, there's an interesting like. Uh, oh, he just wants us to come say hi. Yeah, he's like rub my body. Oh, we got dogs. All right. So what? Uh, in terms of like a historical anomaly, like how did this happen? Uh, I like to look at. So Jerry Bruckheimer, I might be wrong on some of these things. So I'm just, but I'm gonna pretend that I'm right. Pretend that you're right. So he's pre- producing the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So he had his big summer fantasy movies. He was producing uh, National Treasure and a bunch of other stuff. So he had his big Nicolas Cage movies. Those franchises were tapping out. So he was like, you know what I'm gonna do? Combine both. I'm gonna have a big summer fan- fa- uh, uh, fantasy franchise builds around Nicolas Cage, and that's when he produced. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage oh my and Jay Baruchel, so, which did not do well. So, what type of dirt does Francis Ford Coppola have on Jerry Bruckheimer? That he just he's like, like Francis Ford Coppola. What are you saying? About? Yeah, he's like, listen, please stop. You keep you keep uh, <laughs> employing you keep employing my nephew. Listen, and if you don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal the fact that you're actually a <laughs> child molesting lizard from I, space. I will tell you exactly what. Uh, it's not Francis Ford Coppola. It's what he has on uh, Nicolas Cage, which is the fact that Nicolas Cage 
liked to spend all of his money. And therefore, once he, uh, he went from being one of the most bankable movie stars in the world to basically saying yes to anything that anyone asks him for if they can meet his quote because he... There's like there's like hilarious stories about Nicolas Cage where it's like he walks to a Lamborghini dealership and he can't decide between like two different Murcielagos, so he just buys both of them, you know, and he bought like a, a Superman issue one comic book, which is, you know, the most expensive comic book in the world, a- among like millions of dollars worth of other comic books. He's bought like castles and fucking ma- like historical mansions in New Orleans. Like he was just spending money like it was on fire for so long. So it's like, hey, if you want a bankable star in your movie, uh, whether it's uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice or it's those religious movies about everyone getting raptured up to heaven, you he can just ask it. Nicolas Cage. If you can meet his quote, he can't say no. Yeah, I... I um I tried. I missed out on some of those details because I was trying to explain. Katie's Katie's first reaction was, "How does Nicolas Cage get any work ever?" Because mm-hmm. he's 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 very Nicolas Cage. I don't know how else to describe mm-hmm. him. Like he mm-hmm. he has his own brand. Yeah. Of, well, first of all, if if she if she's asking about that, show her Con Air because there you see all of Nicolas Cage's value. As that's a movie right. Star. Well, I my first my first uh, explanation a really was really authentic Southern accent. My, my first explanation was he's a damn fine actor. Yes. Having won an Academy Award mm-hmm. for uh, leaving, uh, Las leaving Las Vegas, and and then I missed out on some of the some of the uh, extraneous details, such as he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, yeah. and he also has an addiction to spending all of his money immediately, and yes. therefore needs to be in as many movies as possible, yes. and therefore very very quickly made his. Uh, the quality, the average quality of his work dip <laughs> significantly. Was it weather? Is it is the movie Weatherman that he's in? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's was, in that movie. Uh, that was pretty good. That was uh, that was like <coughs> Gore Verbinski's like little like side project. Like after he had directed, you know, he had he had he directed the Pirates movies yet? This is all connected. But he <laughs> this as is a, so strange. Yeah, man. But as a little side project, after doing bigger Hollywood stuff, had gone on to make I guess his little uh, contemporary. Indie film, I guess. It was, yeah, I'm, unless I'm fucking insane, I'm pretty sure Gore Verbinski, director of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and how, how are we accidentally? Is, are we it's, accidentally bringing all this stuff full circle? I think we are. That's incredible. Yes. Dude, the universe know. is in line right now for Nicolas Cage. Yes. But I'm not seeing the circle joined. Where's the joining of the circle? Because we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. We are talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, produced by Jerry Brooke, and okay. directed by Gore Verbinski, who also directed Weatherman. There we go. Yes. Yep, okay. Gore Verbinski. Now, let's see. Did Gore Verbinski... Binsky direct the Weatherman before or after Pirates of the Caribbean. We are now Googling live on air. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm a hundred percent sure that I'm not going to be seeing any of Nicolas Cage's recent movies because I just don't know where they show those types of movies. But isn't he in a movie that's coming out soon? Mandy is that yes, what it's called? I haven't watched the trailer for that. I heard it's insane though. Yeah, like, it's like crazy and violent and cool. Um, so it's like exactly what you guys would want to watch in terms. Have of you films. seen? Yeah. The cinematic masterpiece that is Ghost Rider, though? Or no. Ghost Rider 2? No. no. I haven't watched either of them. There's I heard the Ghost second Rider one's crazier. Two? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What? But directed by the Crank guys yes. there, so it might actually be good. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a... Go- mm-hmm. Does it start Nicolas Cage? Yes. Reca- what? Yes. Well, I mean, it stars a flaming skull, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... 
Nicolas Cage showed up for a few days. Um, but that is interesting. Like that, I haven't seen. Actually, I haven't watched it. But I know, like they made one. They they attempted to launch a franchise around uh, Ghost Rider. Didn't obviously work. But they managed to eke out a sequel, a quasi sequel, mm-hmm. directed by the lunatics who um, did crank. Made the Crank movies. And I heard it was crazy. I heard it was not good, but crazy. Have oh, you seen f- it? I have not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, folks, if you haven't seen it on the podcast, Crank Two High Voltage, goddamn masterpiece. Yeah, Must yeah. check that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did recently watch uh, a masterpiece, a, a Nicolas Cage masterpiece, Face Off. Mm. Oh, yes. And, mm-hmm. um, God damn it, that's a good movie. That is a yep. fucking great movie. Uh, that movie is what is what kicked off my entire rant about how 90s action movies I just can't believe are untouchable. they got Travolta and Cage to agree to have their face lasered off and glued onto the other yes. person's face. Mm-hmm. That was... Uh, Real. That's real. Real shit. That actually happened. Um, and plus, that's also really was good of both John Travolta and Nicolas Cage to commit so fully to embodying the other one when they play the face swap, especially Cage, and, and not just continuing to play John Travolta and, and Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, Cage right. for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the just I, I just love the fact that I feel like in the '90s their technology was changing so quickly and Caster Troy. That's right. His name. Uh, oh, technology man. was Deep changing for me, changing so quickly that no one really knew what the future was like. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different sci-fi premises mm-hmm. in movies that could potentially have happened. Like <laughs> no one, no one knew. Like no one these days. Everyone has Instagram mm-hmm. and fucking everyone knows everything, right? Everyone's a fucking know-it-all. Everyone yeah. knows that this sort of thing is impossible. So they're like, man, this is stupid. Blah blah blah. But back then, it was like. Maybe the FBI does have a secret face-swapping <laughs> thing. Well, I know. Is... I, th- I think back then, folks, if you asked a doctor, he would be able to tell you that uh, the, the look of your face is not determined by the skin that's on it. <laughs> Indeed, if you put another set of skin onto your skull, your face doesn't actually uh, change that much. Like discolored you? Nicholas first Cage. Of all, first of all, <laughs> by the way, they didn't just change the skin. They fixed his hairline. They, they tummy oh, tucked yeah, him. Uh-huh. They changed his chest hair. Which, which uh, again, the best part about that, and, I, and this is, and I am a fan of the film. So uh, this is this is a just this is a loving nitpick, but uh, it is the fact that they spend all this technology with all these technicians and everything to take John Travolta and make him look like Nicolas Cage, to take the cop and make him look like the criminal Caster Troy, so that he can infiltrate uh, Caster Troy's crime organization. But then Caster Troy, without a face, wakes up mm-hmm. like points a gun at a scientist and says make me look like the other guy <laughs> and he like quickly <laughs> like he, he throws something together real quick and then he just looks perfectly like John Travolta is he holding a gun on the fucking doctor as he's having the face he surgery like, on his he, head or whatever but yeah. he's just like he's like I got no face here you got any faces lying around John Travolta's face, perfect. Throw well, yeah. it on me. Well, that could be one of the most Nicolas Cage moments of all time where he's yeah. like smoking the cigarette without uh-huh. his face on. Uh-huh. And the doctor's like, well, what do you want me to do? He's like, take a look at my face. <laughs> 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 how, much, how much do you think they wanted to use Will Smith for that movie? And or Nicholas Cage <laughs> before they're just like, fuck, I don't know if we can make this work. I don't know. I feel like you could still have gotten away with it at that time. But, you know. Um, they call it blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Black face off. <laughs> they 
Face Off, they'll, they'll reboot it. Face Off starring Jamie Foxx and, and Will Smith. Called, just called Black Face. <laughs> <laughs> just replace uh, replace the face and then sit in a tanning bed well, for they about had, five hours. Yeah. They had Black Annie. They can do Black Face Off. Yes, Listen, exactly. that, that lineup right there, yeah. Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, it's getting my money. I don't care. Yeah. Even use the it. most stereotypical jokes throughout. I'm... I gotta pay for it. It's like a Medea film. Yep. Speaking of, um, <laughs> I know it's awful. I'm going. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that. That should happen. No, that, that was during the uh, Tyler Perry's black If if anyone could pull it off. Uh, yeah, it was. What were the 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 series of John? So when John Woo first John Woo sets the world on fire, Hong Kong cinema. He comes over. He directs Face Off. Broken Arrow, oh, and yes. then he gets, and then yes. he, and that's when he gets the Mission Impossible. Christian Slater's yes, work, there you go. When, mm-hmm. when when Christian Slater was still a bankable star, correct. Uh, then they had, uh, and then they had, uh, what was it? He got the Mission Impossible Two, which he made. Yeah, which is interesting because we don't talk about Mission Impossible Two that much. Really, Mission Impossible for a while there, at least for the first four films, was less a franchise than it was just. Four different directors' interpretations of what a Mission Impossible movie would be. Yeah, like they had Brian no... De Palma does it, and it's a Brian De Palma movie, like fully a Brian De Palma movie. Then John Woo does it, and he's like guns and motorcycles jumping over airplanes, and it's like that's what that is. Extreme and, rock climbing, don't forget. Extreme that. rock climbing, very Metallica. Important. Then, uh, then oh yeah, uh, J.J. Abrams There's a Metallica yeah. song for just for that soundtrack. Just for the soundtrack. Uh, then. J.J. Uh, Abrams does it and makes it all aliasy, spy e whatever McGuffin-y. and McGuffany, and then Brad Bird does it and it's this big uh, Incredibles like action romp, and then Christopher McQuarrie's been doing whatever he's been doing in the last two or three movies, which is basically like Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie have a death pact. Yes. He's like, I need mm-hmm. you to kill me during yes. a stunt, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, All right, well, why so don't that you the just, prophecy will be complete. Why don't you just learn how to fly a helicopter and then do a nosedive into the side of a mountain? <laughs> all right, cool, let's Dope. do this. Don't worry. Are you guys rolling? Xenu will protect me. <laughs> I'm a I'm a state in level fourteen. I'm gonna be just fine. Yes. Uh yeah, so that is that is really interesting observation about Mission Impossible because those were some of the movies that, that uh in a weird way are kind of like the low points of nineties action. Like the first one's really good. The second one is ugh. the third one is fine, but I feel like the, yeah, the third I really one's like the, the third one. Right? I think the, f- the third one I think I feel like the third one was a victim of the time in which it was released because it happened when uh, Tom Cruise was going through the middle of his meltdown, jumping on Oprah's couch, right. whatever. The Katie it's Holmes like thing, yeah. the Katie Holmes thing. Yeah, and say, I, yeah, that, that's my favorite one. I actually far. really yeah. enjoyed. I it. thought Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. was the best bad yeah. guy. Oh, oh yeah. fuck yeah, he is a genuinely scary bad guy. There, yeah. It actually makes you give a sh- like Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good as that bad guy, and he's so menacing in like that opening sequence that it actually makes you, like it actually invests you. In the movie, you What's actually the name give of this a shit. One? Uh, this is Mission Possible Three. I don't, right? think, I don't know what the the subtitle is. Yeah, I don't. Does it even have? I think it's just Mission it, Possible. I think 3. it was just MI three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it was just MI three. Cool. And the entire thing is they're chasing the rabbit's foot, yeah, which yeah. is oh, yeah. you know God knows what the fuck it's a supposed MacGuffin to be. that is intentionally never explained. Yeah, it's it fantastic. Very That's JJ actually Abrams-y. the movie to which I learned what a MacGuffin is. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. It also does several fun self aware things. Like one thing I remember, it was awesome. Was a 
Tom Cruise is involved in some off-screen action scene in a skyscraper, and his two compatriots, <laughs> that's right, that's his right. two uh, compatriots, are in a car waiting for him down below. And then uh, it's a it's a, a boy compatriot and a girl compatriot, and the girl starts telling a story about her childhood, and you could hear the audience groaning as like, "Oh God, this is going to be boring." And then her story is cut off right before it starts with Tom Cruise. Jumping out the fucking building, <laughs> interrupting it in the background. Yeah, like you yeah, can yeah. kind of see hit, like what, like you know, flashes yeah. of gunfire and stuff, and then he jumps out. Right? Yeah, that's, yes, it's yeah, just yeah. fantastic. Uh, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I've only the only mm. Mission Impossible I've seen is the one that came right after uh, what was it? Live, Die, Repeat. That movie. Oh with, yeah, yeah. With which the, one came right after that? Maybe the Macquarie one. Yeah, it's that's called Edge of Tomorrow that, for Christ's sake. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, I only which, saw it because I wanted more Tom Cruise yeah, action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow so is good. probably the most underrated action I, movie I love in the past that. like ten years. I yes. think it's not at this point underrated. It just did poorly at the box office. I think it has gotten lots of love. It's Everyone yeah. who's seen it is so fucking good. He actually did a bunch of sci-fi movies around then, right? Yeah, like when he started with Oblivion and then Edge of Tomorrow. Because he was coming off of the... And that... Yeah, yeah, he was coming off of that because, like, with Spielberg, he did um, War of the Worlds and Minority Report, and then I think he was kind of at that converting to that point where he was—he's less of a—I mean, he's been a huge bankable movie star for obviously a very, very long time, but he was trying to get into that Will Smith big summer blockbuster every uh, every uh, every year cadence, you know, because he's now in the Tom Cruise business, and so he started hitting more science fiction things with um, with Edge of Tomorrow and with Oblivion. Edge of Tomorrow, I have not seen Oblivion. I've heard mixed things, um, and, but I have not seen. But uh, but Edge of Tomorrow is fantastic. Uh, Oblivion's fine. Yeah. I mean the the aesthetic is really nice, yeah. and that the story landscape. Yeah, futuristic the, shit. the story is 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 yeah. okay. The yeah, yeah. the plot there's like there's some pretty major plot holes in it. Yeah, I've heard that the premise is just the premise of Moon, but done bigger. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Edge of Tomorrow is incredible. And if someone listening has not watched Edge of Tomorrow, Watch Edge of it Tomorrow. is probably one of the most fun action movies like just the 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 idea of it is essentially he gets it's like groundhog day meets aliens yep Mm -hmm. it's incredible yeah yeah it's fucking great you know doug lyman is just one of those sleeper underrated filmmakers who has just i mean he's not he's obviously been hugely successful so good for him but um but he's just made so many films that are way better than like the entire born ident born franchise is born from born identity and born identity Rest of Born franchise is fucking fine, I guess, but like Born Identity is so goddamn good. Is that Doug you... Lyman as well? Yeah, oh, Doug yeah. Lyman as well. Yeah. I haven't seen that shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh dude, you're God, missing out. Born one. Identity Keep is incredible. In... No, you don't need to see any of them. Just watch the first one. Yeah. First Born Identity. Great. Mm-hmm. Born Identity. Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. Keep Correct. in mind contextually here, Born Identity at the time did change the yes. style of action movies because yes. Born Identity came out in the wake of all that Matrixy shit. Yeah. All that kind of ultra stylized, ultra slow-mo, very unrealistic action was the thing. Mm-hmm. And then Born Identity comes out and like the fight scenes and the car chases are done not exactly realistic realistic but realistic seeming all yeah, the gunfights right. the, the, the aesthetic of yeah. realism it's, aesthetic of it's handheld yes. it's quick cuts yes. you don't need the you don't need the actor to actually be moving very well because yeah. You're only seeing them for, you know... You see, this is amazing. It's not even quick cuts, though. It's just the way... It's what the physical action is. The fight scenes are done using realistic combat jujitsu, hand-to-hand combat fight stuff. The car chases are done 
doing things that a good car driver could do in a city. Yeah. The gunfight that happens with Clive Owen in the mm-hmm. fucking fields there is yeah. handled strategically like two guys trying to shoot each other in a field. It just has amazing action set pieces at 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 at, at several different scales, but they're all really well grounded. Like there's the fight in the the, the knockdown drag out fight in the apartment with that one guy mm-hmm. where he like fucking stabs a pencil into his hand and all this stuff is just like it's just it's exactly what a good action sequence should be, which is it's not just about visceral editing, but it's about like telling a story with little textual elements. It's like he does this, so I do this. He does this, so I grab what's around me, a pencil, and do this. You can see it playing out on the page, yeah. and uh, it's just it's really fucking good. And then I think I think it also got confused with like Doug Liman did the first film and then Paul Greengrass came in and did the subsequent films I think all of them uh, maybe not the most recent one but certainly the next two and Paul Greengrass was just all just chaos quick cutting handheld can't see shit can't understand what's going on like the, the, there's there are car chases in Born Supremacy but they're just fucking incomprehensible to the eyes yeah, like the logic doesn't make yeah sense. it doesn't make it's, it's and they're fine but it's just it's a different animal but it was, uh, but people do not remember that born or some people do but you know you guys are younger than i am uh <laughs> that like that changed the conversation about james bond moving forward and the reason we have the daniel craig rebooted james bond was at the time talked about as a direct reaction to born, born identity. identity because at the yeah. time we had the pierce brosnan big lavish spy uh, spy spectacles that were happening Born Identity comes out James Bond feels like it's just like the Pierce Brosnan era is kind of coming to an end and everyone is saying and, and the conversation was could James Bond be as cool as Jason Bourne? And then we cast they cast Daniel Craig, and the film as it was coming out, Casino was Royale, Casino Royale, uh, when as it was coming out was being referred to as the Jason Bourne James Bond movie, and so we kind of hmm. have that to thank for that whole revitalization. Yeah. Of I mean, that I don't series. think I don't think it's an accident that they both have JB as their initials. No, not at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the you know the the Bourne Identity does so many things so damn well even from the beginning the hook in the first scene is so oh, yeah. fucking good mm-hmm. you basically the so just to set it up for you chase they they find matt damon's body floating in the ocean like some fisherman and then they cut out this little like metal pill or something that's he doesn't like, remember who he is he doesn't remember who he is he's been shot and they cut out this little like metal pill from him that looks like a bullet and it has like a laser pointer with like uh, like a, a serial number, yeah, a serial, serial number for, or something. For a bank, yeah, under and his skin. Under his skin. And so it basically starts off with like this dude who doesn't know who he is, but we know he's a big badass, and he has like this like little hint of what he's supposed to do. It's and, really fucking and cool. And the best part though about that, well, the thing that makes that movie work so goddamn well also is the Moby. fantastic uh, Moby, yes. <laughs> Moby, but is the, the relationship. The uh, musician? There's plenty of Moby music. There's Moby music in it oh, at the end. Oh shit, yeah, you got me. Um, but you got, uh, you got, it's it's Matt Damon, but also just the fantastic and hilarious and funny and sweet relationship between him and uh, Run Lola Run, who is, uh, who whatever her fucking name is. Uh, Run Lola Run. Who's Claire Danes. Claire Yes, no. Well, Claire uh, Danes is in it. No, 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 no. no. But <laughs> the chick Wait, came in as a minor character. The in chick sequels. from Run Lola Run is yeah. in it, and they have and that is just a really well told, really uh, fun relationship throughout. And that's again, yeah, leave like it to Paul they, Greengrass to like um, just she's kill like her in yeah, the first, the first fucking the yeah, spoilers. fucking spoilers for Born Supremacy. But it's like that was like ninety percent of what makes that movie so uh, compulsively rewatchable. It's it's, it's like it's like a meet cute romantic comedy that is also one of the most blistering and awesome action movies 
uh, all at the same time. So it's just ah, it's 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 really good. Yeah, it's great shit. Um, it follows the action movie staple. Not really replica. I don't think you can do that too much more. Where you have your male action hero who kidnaps a random innocent female because <laughs> uh, he needs her for stuff. She thinks he's a <laughs> evil criminal, but then eventually comes to love him, like Commando, yes. like uh, like Predator. Uh, like like Running Man, like Commando, like Running Man. Yeah, uh, yeah. two Schwarzenegger movies both follow that same staple, yeah. and uh, the Chase. Yeah, with uh, Charlie the Chase Sheen with Charlie there. Sheen. Yeah, uh-huh. it's not really. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, close. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that makes Born Identity so good is that, like you were saying, it kind of contrasted itself to like that crazy stylized mm-hmm. Matrix style. Um, action movie mm-hmm. or the really wild, over-the-top, unrealistic uh, James Bond movies mm-hmm. that were coming out at the time. And it did it by re- referring back to movies like Ronin, mm-hmm. where it was just like, hey, we're going to actually have real cars yeah, yeah. doing real things. Like, they're not all going to drive Lamborghinis yeah. or Aston Martins. Yeah. You know, he's, he has this, like, shitty little fucking, like, mini, like, European yeah, yeah. mini that he's driving around. And it's like, it just looks, it looks real and it looks cool. Yeah. yeah. In a way that doesn't look cool when, you know, M is standing there and he's like, oh, uh, you have an invisible Aston Martin. And, you know, like, what, <laughs> what, the, what the fuck are you talking about? Or you have an invisible BMW. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it just doesn't look yeah, real. It right? was big. It was big, silly spectacle uh, prior to that. And, well, it's also interesting to take another step back and to talk about how prior to that, how, like, the, the, the thing that the, the Born Identity was reacting to was this bubble of action uh, that had, you know, been born from the Matrix and how much the Matrix changed. I mean, it's obviously the Matrix changed a bunch of shit, but what's funny is that to see how many different films, the, what the Matrix did, uh, you know, how, how it was infused into so many different things. I mean, just fundamentally, like, for, like the idea of Hollywood movie stars learning complex fight choreography and and executing that fight choreography was unheard of prior to the matrix like that was not, like people would punch each other even even american action stars like uh, jean-claude van damme or arnold schwarzenegger would shoot and punch but they would never be engaged in any kind of training prior to the movie or 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 uh, or, or fight choreography that was in any way complex i mean you can even look at martial arts oriented films that like jean-claude van damme was in there's no complex choreography in it uh, and then, how dare you? And, but I'm just saying, no. But I'm sport. saying, then the Wachowskis come along. The Wachowskis come along, and they say, you know what? Uh, Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, you're going to do months of fight training, and then you're actually going to execute complex Hong or sorry, the complex China Chinese style kung fu uh, fight choreography, and. That after that, not only did it enable things like the Matrix, like sorry, like Kill Bill to happen, but even fucking things like Charlie's Angels, which happened oh, in yeah. the wake of it, mm-hmm. where like uh, Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore are engaged, like just fucking no kung fu. They fought, they know kung fu. They're doing wire work. They're fighting with each other. Um, and now and then years later, we're getting your John Wicks. And now it's assumed that if you're an action star, if you're a, if, if you're a movie star who's doing action, you're going to do a tremendous amount of training. You're going to learn hand to hand combat. It's not going to be your stunt guy who's going to execute all of those things. And, all, and it, it permeates everything. It's in it's in the Avengers. It's in all sorts of shit now. Uh, and that really wasn't the case prior to The Matrix. It introduced that whole notion of movie stars having to learn. Yeah, doing months and months of training prior to a movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matrix. 
Thank, thanks, yeah. Matrix. Thank you, Matrix, because that that is what has made a lot of movies really fucking good. Like John Wick is kind of the combination of oh, yes. Born mm-hmm. Identity and The Matrix yes. in that it's like that crazy stylized, you know, gun kata, yeah. Yeah. but mm-hmm. also this really raw sort of like choreographed violence. Yeah. Well, dog. The only way, the only way that John Wick is even fucking possible um, is because. You know, uh, Keanu Reeves got bitten by the fucking kung fu bug a million years ago when he made The Matrix and committed himself as part as kind of producer and star of that movie to just I was John Wick. I feel was just an excuse for 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 Keanu Reeves to do years of training uh, in jujitsu and gunplay and all these things and became really fucking He's good really at really it. Really fucking good at it. And so it enables you to do things on camera that you cannot do. Like uh, again, David Leach, the only action director who who matters to me right now, um, is uh, was the kind of ghost directed that movie in partnership with the other guy. Uh, and the fact that you can he can actually shoot those action sequences uh, and execute those action sequences the way they do in Asia, which is big wides, seeing the people actually perform the actions, seeing them uh, basically creating complex gags that are all that you can see on screen. Like when he goes and he's like twists this guy's arm and breaks it, and then he like fucking mercs three guys by shooting them in the forehead. The kind of stuff that. Even if you choreographed that with, say, you know, uh, any other star, you would have to break it up into five different shots just so that they don't look, the actors don't look silly. Because mm-hmm. in Asia, they have actual stuntmen who, uh, uh, you know, actors who can execute these things. We don't have that in America. We don't have that with white people. We have to edit the stuff up in other in order for them to uh, not look silly. Uh, and I and I know that this is the case because recently I saw a terrible terrible uh, 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 action movie with uh, Vince Vaughn uh, called like Cell Block something or other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was in, and there was an attempt, clearly a conscious attempt uh, in a couple of moments in that movie to just skip to the end. It's like, I'm going to shoot these action fight sequences with Vince Vaughn, who has clearly never done any training in his life, in long shots and in wide shots. And so people have can see all of our complex choreography. And it looks terrible really it looks awful you're there are literally moments where like vince vaughn like throws limp punches and then you can see him like turn around and brace himself so that the guy who's going to run up and hit him with a chair can like break a chair across his back and it just looks awkward and just ugh, it's terrible and uh and it's just proof that you can't this is why you can't do that you can't skip to the end and just say we're going to shoot it the way they do in asia we're going to try and execute the john wick thing it requires months and months of training to not only be able to do those things but execute them with that kind of ferocious precision and everything that makes them look cool right i mean john wick uh keanu reeves you know a lot of movies do uh, sort of like secondary things really well to make their the protagonist and the actor look the part and look as mm-hmm. dangerous or feel as dangerous as they're supposed to be, right? Yeah. But uh, in John Wick, like Keanu Reeves, he primarily through his actions, not through like yeah, yeah. contextual things, mm-hmm. looks and feels dangerous. Yes, because. There's just there's just a like a very real feeling of him, mm-hmm. you know, like 
jumping into a flying triangle around this guy's head, breaking his neck and like yep. using the dude's guns like shoot. And then yep. you see videos of him on on like Instagram where he's like at the gun range, yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. doing like <laughs> the medley, like the shooting medley. And I'm like, I want to learn how to do that. How do I learn? How yeah, to do yeah. that? Who do I give money to? If it list, if you're listening right now and you know who I can give money to <laughs> to do we, firearm you training, live in we Texas. are in Texas. Dude, dude, there's one of those fucking shooting ranges just outside Austin there where they, they do that go, shit. I will go to classes. I will be a fucking member. I will use all of my money. It's a real thing. It's really easy Guns and very expensive. close to home there. Yeah. I, in fact, that could be your next video. You learning yeah. to do that shit. I would shit. fucking love what that. that. What, is that? What, is that? what is that sport called? Target Man. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, I forget what it is. There's some specific <laughs> name for it. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure Tim Kennedy does that sort of thing, right? And he's no like right doubt. down the street. So I've got someone a, text ooh, Tim Kennedy. I've got to fucking learn that. Sort of thing. Fun Tim, Tim Kennedy does do that stuff for real for his fucking uh, army training. That said, I think that it's actual. It's an actual competitive sport where you hit multiple targets at yeah, multiple yeah. distances four times and run through courses. You, know, and you stuff. know who does do it? Dave Castro. He sure does. He does. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I would. I mean, you know, I'm fitter than Dave Castro. I'm just picturing so I'd probably sh- be better than. That, 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 <laughs> I'm than just picturing you that. shooting guns with Alex Jones, and I, there's no <laughs> way you would be better than Dave Castro at shooting guns. That man was what are you in the about? Navy. He was. He was a Navy <laughs> SEAL, wasn't Navy. he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's a trained killer. That's that's correct. That is correct. <laughs> but does you know, not matter whatever. about fitness. Whatever, man. That's dark to think about. Like you know, you're you're just. You're in some foreign country. You're guarding your drug lord uh, slash war criminal boss. And then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> on a rope, Castro. Dave Castro slips down and, like, wraps his heart around your neck. And he, like, slowly puts you to sleep, but then says something, like, really shitty about how, like, well, this, I mean, they should have, them popping their pecs was not my fault. And then, like, right as you, <laughs> it's, like, the last thing you fucking hear, like, right as you die. Have you seen that picture of Josh Bridges, uh... And his seal murdering training. someone. <laughs> He's not. It's not a picture of him murdering somebody, but it's a picture of him. He looks like a fucking action superhero. He's climbing out of the water. He's wearing his like scuba gear. Uh. He's climbing out of the water up like a rope ladder, the side of a boat, like a uh, yacht, uh-huh. and he has a pistol in his hand. Really, <laughs> it looks like the cover of like a fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, movie. It's so good. He is Jason Lost Bourne. At sea. That's what it would be called, yes. I think. He is Jason Bourne. That's yeah. actually him. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be awesome. He uh, knows that of... he can run flat out for a quarter mile before his hands start shaking. <laughs> or whatever the fuck that line was in the movie. <laughs> uh uh speaking of the games, just to kind of wrap this up near the end here, bring it back full circle. Fitbeth games. I heard some oh Fitbeth games, that's yeah. right. The, then that's maybe not wrapping this thing up right now. So uh, Chase and I went and hung out with <laughs> Bethany Branham. You know why? Because it's a better name. It's okay. So you're fucking actually, fired. <laughs> so Chase and I went and hung out with Bethany Shadburn. No, Beth Shadburn. Uh, so I asked her about it. I uh-huh. asked her. And I asked her on camera. I have it somewhere. And, and it was uh, an awkward interaction. I was I there for it. I don't think it was awkward. <laughs> I don't think it was awkward because she's she's listen. She's Sounds aware. like it was awkward. I told her I was like, listen. Here's the thing, like. Branham, Bethany Branham just sounds really good. And she's like, I know it sucks. <laughs> um, but she is very adamantly, strongly biased towards being called Bethany. Um, Only her dad calls her Beth. And uh, and she she's she thinks Bethany is is what it is. And yeah. to be totally fair, mm-hmm. um, it's her name. <laughs> and I... secondarily, it's really either, all of our names. Either isn't or it? she's she's still both the fittest Beth and the fittest Bethany. So yeah. 
I I really liked her. Okay, this is my reasoning, not her reasoning. But uh-huh. Bethany Shadburn over Beth Shadburn takes at least two to three more seconds of airtime. That's true. On CBS or ESPN or wherever they're being streamed. Mm. It's smarter from a business decision. Right. Mm. It's the longer that people are saying your name. I don't and know. I just Beth Shadburn just rolls off the tongue so well. I feel like I would say I would say her name, her full name more if it were Beth. So maybe maybe the individual duration of each statement of the name would last incrementally longer, but I feel like I I could say Beth Shadburn in the lead, Beth Shadburn right there, Beth Shadburn in lane six, but Bethany, I'm like, ugh, like, now, what's the point? Now Giannis also brings up a really interesting point, which is the Beth German Shadburn, correct. Beth Shadburn and Bethany Branham have the same number of syllables. Mm-hmm. The alliteration isn't quite yeah. there, but they have the same number of syllables. And going from th to sh is a very strange transition. Mm-hmm. Even you saying it, it sounds like you're saying Beth Shadburn, right? It like it kind of like melds together. So Beth Shadburn, it's like a weird. So Bethany Shad, the ani adds a little bit of like a. Uh, je ne sais quoi here's the name you know what I mean here's the thing is that, that here's really the thing good. is I'm very into I'm very into <laughs> thinking about the the cadence the, like the syllabic cadence of names and words and how they run together so like let's let's break it down though because you have Bethany so Beth so you de-emphasize the middle syllable so you're still ending on an emphasized syllable so then Shadburn obviously we're emphasizing the shad versus the uh, versus the burn so it's uh, emphasis then lack of emphasis so we're still going for going with uh, we're going from emphasized syllable to emphasized syllable which automatically breaks up the cadence so Bethany Shadburn weird whereas Bethany Branham uh, the alliteration kind of feels like it bridges that gap. You're doing the same thing. Beth Shadburn, the reason I think it works is, is I think that it allow, it turns the Beth into a de-emphasized syllable. So you're really just going for the Shad. So it's like the Shadburn uh, when you say it. See, and that's the thing. I, and I feel like I feel like correct, except because you're ending both, you're ending the first word with the and beginning uh-huh. with sha, and those are very similar sounds. Yeah. Your, your tongue is doing similar things in there, right? The the reason why Bethany Branham works really mm-hmm. well is because E B, right? Mm-hmm. Those like mm-hmm. your mouth moves in a way between those syllables, yeah. right? Between those pronunciations. And I think the real important thing to notice here is that when you go Bethany Shadburn, you have a very similar movement. I in your feel mouth. like there's a harder reset between E and Sh than there is between Tha yeah. and, and that's and my point. There is a harder there's, reset. That's but, I feel the like, point. But, but I feel like I, it's literal by harder reset. I mean, it's actually tripping me up more so than I mean it's more in a, of an acute reset because Bethany Shadburn. I don't know what it is about it. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about the E to Sh sound that I feel like I'm doing more work. Whereas Beth Shadburn. It's true they, they 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 might get a little bit confused, but I feel like I want to say that name as a whole, like as a unit, if you will, uh, uh, more. And I can't quite put my finger on why, but it is it, it just it rolls off the tongue more easily. And for I her, think. on a more personal note, Bethany is just the name, right? Yeah, it's not. Whereas Beth mm-hmm. could be short for Bethany or Elizabeth, yes, and her name is not Elizabeth. This is true. But if she wants to compete at the Fit Beth Games, she's got to be willing to take on the Elizabeths. She's got to be willing to take on the Beth regards, other Beths. I next, don't know. Bethathins. Bethathins. <laughs> next week on linguistics dissected. That's right. We'll on, be covering. Yes. <laughs> 
Fakowski's name. Well, actually, so goddamn that's exactly good. what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say next week we'll talk about Brent Fakowski, which yeah, is yeah. one of the best fucking names that have ever been named, yes. much less in our sport. Yes. You know, uh, uh, in a sport that's filled with boring names, Brent Fakowski well, stands out. There is the best. I'm going to put in my vote for the best CrossFit Games athlete name of all time. Sven Bjorn Sven Bjornsson. <laughs> Sven Bjorn uh, Sven Bjornsson. That's right. I haven't thought about him in a long time. 2009 CrossFit Games athlete from yeah. Iceland. Yes. Came there with Annie, uh, right? They were the two from the, 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 they were the, Iceland, the Icelandic contingent mm-hmm. at someone's backyard barbecue in 2009, <laughs> which was the CrossFit Games. Uh, didn't quite have the lasting trajectory that Annie had, but he was there and he threw down back in the day. But that's just a... Sven Bjorn Sven Bjornsson is a name that if someone like if if you just explained the naming convention in Iceland and then they decided to make up a name to just point <laughs> out how absurd the naming convention is and that just feels like slightly racist <laughs> against Icelandic <laughs> people that is the name they would come up with and that was his actual name yeah so yeah, it's go. like being named John Johnson the second. Yes, like that literally mm, is what Svenborn yeah. Svenbornson. It's it could just be John Johnson the second. Yes, well, it would be like if you had a friend who is like Hispanic and his name was like Jose Tacos Rodriguez, <laughs> and you're just like, you're like, are you sure that's your name, Jose Taco? Yeah, it's like yeah, no, that's my family name. They name my middle name is Tacos. I had an uncle, his name was Taco. Uh, so they, but it's like they decided to pluralize it for some reason. And my name is Jose Tacos Rodriguez. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable calling you that. So you're going to be Joe for me from now on. Let's whitewash that name. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be Joe Tacos. Joe Tacos. <laughs> if Joe Tacos is not a fucking Joe, taco is, franchise, <laughs> I don't know what is. I think Joey Tacos is going to be my new Instagram handle. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joey Tacos. I'm be here bringing you live commentary of the Fitbeth Games. Oh my um, gosh. I also heard, speaking of the CrossFit Games, that this year the athletes are required to wear only what is provided to them by Reebok. Hmm. Whereas in previous years they could wear any Reebok shoes as long as they were Reebok shoes. Mm-hmm. This year they have to wear the most current the model, newest to model. Will the they be provided the shoes in advance pre- of the weekend? Correct. Oh, okay. They, they, the uh, Beth, Bethany was talking about this. She just got an email. She likes wearing Reebok anyway, but she just got an email saying um, that they're going to be required to wear only what is provided to them by Reebok for the week of the games. Do you think that's Reebok saying this is what you get for suing us? We're going to fuck with your athletes. One hundred percent. It's Reebok being like, all right, guys. Well, if you're going to fuck with us, we're going to fuck with you. We're going to so. flex our contract to make it harder. Yeah, for sure. It's really awesome. frustrating as an athlete because the nanos just murder my feet. I'm not mm. a games athlete, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But but I mean, an example of that would be Travis Mayer, who's not going to the games this mm-hmm. year. But last year I was talking to him and he hates the Reebok shoes. Like he's yeah. a Nike athlete. He prefers Nike. They fucking hurt um, your feet, man. He, he hates the Reebok shoes. And last year's Reeboks, the Nanos, the Nano 7s were garbage. Yeah. They were the worst shoe on the face of the planet. Yeah. So it's even if you were a Reebok fan, no one was wearing those specific shoes because mm-hmm. they sucked so bad. So mm-hmm. he was wearing like four year old Reeboks, mm. like the only Reeboks that that work well for yeah. him. But, uh, the new an ones, the new ones, uh, though, are improved, correct? Yeah, the yeah. Nano Eights, I think, are are really good. Yeah. I mean, they're for me, they're up there with the Nano Twos in yeah. terms of in terms of how good they are. But like you know, for example, speaking of the Nano Twos, if you follow Rich Froning, you know, one of 
almost every video of Rich working out these days, he's wearing the Nano 2s. And there might be a reason for that. Like, they're a little bit softer. They're a little bit more squishy. They're a little bit more breathable. Yeah. They're not Flexible. as, like, high-tech, right? So those shoes, they fit better. And maybe, like, with his knee injuries or his knee issues, like, they, they help him. But now he's not going to be able to wear them. He has to mm. wear, you know, the shoes that they send him. So mm. I don't know, man. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it to me, it, it, it stinks of Reebok flexing a little bit of power on, on – uh, on mm. on their on their contract with just CrossFit. to be dicks just if to be dicks but whatever if they're trying to be really spiteful also they might just start fucking up the designs of the next couple of years <laughs> they're making them deliberately uncomfortable There's subtle dicks in the camouflage <laughs> that just that just that's just shooting themselves in in the foot that's yeah, they're yeah. going down in yeah flames. i mean they want the to. reebok and crossfit relationship ends i feel like reebok is going to be in a really really poor position they're going to be in dire straits the last thing i think they they want is to <laughs> go out having been the guys who fucking hung themselves with their own thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at this point, it almost is that way anyway. Like, they are they are the reason why CrossFit is, is so upset with them. It's because of their own behavior. So it's like, you already are shooting your golden goose. Yeah. You know, why hang yourself their with the Their golden goose, though, is the UFC. I want to see the UFC relationship fall through as well. Because they've yeah. also <laughs> fucked with people you there. Think the, you think Reebok makes more money off UFC than they do off CrossFit? Uh, yes. I think the UFC is just a much more popular brand yeah. just overall yeah I but think. who's wearing how many that's people it, have yeah. you seen wearing that's what true. like UFC what ufc branded, branded stuff do you have itself. it's like yeah, shorts yeah, and shirts true. right be moving more merchandise whereas like crossfitters are buying shoes like every that's four true. months I'd say per yeah. per capita crossfitter spends way more money on yeah it's a, the, the audience there. the audience might be smaller but it's uh it's probably on the more affluent side in terms of the demographic mm-hmm. and it certainly is on the side of more expendable income and yeah. actually willing to spend that money so yeah. Um, all right. I think that's uh, that's a good place to call it. We have we have Fourth of July uh, shenanigans, uh, shenanigans, mm-hmm. masturbation shenanigans to get to. Yes. So <laughs> quick, get uh, the sound booth. Let's get your uh, <laughs> let's get all your all your plug guys. Uh, I am at Joey Tacos on the most <laughs> sensual Instagram account on the internet. Mr. Kyle Bogart at Mr. Kyle Bogart. <clears throat> I'm at Cliff Bogart on an Instagram account that's now updated very frequently. And I'm at Chase504 on an Instagram that's filled with fitness and a lot of fitness. fitness. A lot of fitness uh, on Chase's Instagram. Also, this is this is the last episode oh, on shit. the scale. That's right. Old old fucking page. That's right. So Explain it this better. Is, this is the so if you're listening to this on the scale as needed podcast feed on iTunes, yes. this is the last episode that is going to be updated on there. Yeah. Much like our forefathers declared their independence <laughs> on this day uh-huh. in 1776, we are declaring independence, and you can only find this show from now on under Arm and Hammer TV. It's the same thing, all one word, Arm and Hammer TV. You can find that on iTunes on everywhere. It's just, everywhere. Just search it on your podcast app. Just you type can, in Arm and Hammer TV. Yep. You'll see it pop up. Hit subscribe, and then you'll get all the new episodes of San through that. You can also just search for San S A N. Either yeah. way, it's going to come up, and mm-hmm. uh, and you can subscribe, and you're going to continue getting this wonderful fucking podcast and. in your ears. And uh, and yes, at Arm and Hammer TV is also my Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. You can find all my sweet content on super dope there. stuff with mm-hmm. Sean Sweeney. Yeah, Jeez. Sean Sweeney, Bethany Brandon stuff, somebody, Bethany Shadburn stuff coming out. Jesus Christ. If you're somebody that wants mm-hmm. to be competitive at CrossFit, I highly recommend 
mm-hmm. all the stuff on Sean Sweeney. Like it's very behind the scenes into the mind of somebody that it's good. Like was not that long ago, kind of on that that area where he's like, I want to be a games athlete, as in last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, that definitely check that out. And and there's some cool it. shit with Bethany Shadburn. Correct. There will I be almost gave my cool life shit. for it. Yeah, and potentially a silly video featuring the Mr. Cliff Bogart coming at some point. Coming at some future. point soon. I, pro- I I promise it's going to happen some point yes. soon. My goal is before the games for it to, to <laughs> premiere before the games. Mm-hmm. So, Life's a bitch. Crossed. Ruck it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. Nice, dude. Thank you very Let's much, start a folks, brand. for listening to this episode of Some Athleticism Neglected. That's right. Have a safe and happy 4th of July. Please don't blow your hands off. At this point, though, you guys are not going to it's too late. So if you have blown your hands off, shame on you for being so dumb. And if you haven't blown your hands off, congratulations on... If you have blown your hands off, tag us in that pic. <laughs> have someone take a picture of your blown yes. off hands. Correct. And upload that shit Correct. to tag Just us. send us pictures of blown off hands. No. Unless they're your own. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Thank you so much, folks. We'll catch you later. Right. Peace. Bye. Yeah. I'm proud of this, you guys. We made to the entire... Fourth of July podcast without anyone ever saying America at some point. Uh, uh.